today is I get to invite to the stage my lovely wife, Andrea, and my good friend, Will Tucker, and his wife, Shauna. So let's give them a hand as they come out. <laughs> and so for us today, we just want to invite you into the conversation uh, that we had the other day as we were talking about what makes love persevere. Because as we were trying to figure it out, we were thinking, well, First, why does love have to persevere? Like, I mean, you gotta persevere through things that are, that are difficult and painful. I mean, like, I don't have to persevere through a bowl of Captain Crunch, right? <laughs> I mean, I savor those sweet crunch berries, that's amazing. <laughs> and so you persevere through things that, you know, cause pain or are stressful, you know, or, or bring you some semblance of grief. And so why, why does love qualify for that? You know, as we were talking, um, I'm, I'm right there with you, Gary. I mean, I don't have to persevere through Captain Crunch one little bit. Uh, but we started talking about other things in our lives that, that cause perseverance. And we started talking about running because nobody, I mean, very few people. I know there's some of you in here that maybe actually like to run. But we were talking about how that's a difficult thing. And we realized that we had all, all four of us had run a marathon before. Now, mine was back when I was 17 years old. I was young and energetic. And so really not that impressive. But you guys have done it in recent years. Um, it, and so what about that process was um, so difficult that, that caused that perseverance to accomplish that goal? Yeah, I got to run the Marine Corps Marathon um, in Washington, D.C. this past or November. Mm, so and jealous. it was so fun. It's the bucket list marathon, you know, just so much fun. We loved it. It was a blast, but it was the, the persevering part was really in the training beforehand, especially when we got into those super long runs. Mm -hmm. um, I have four kids and it was just a huge sacrifice of time for me. And when you get like to the 26 and your body is just done and then you look up, you've got that point. <laughs> Two left. <laughs> you're like, and you're like, well, like, who thought that was a good idea, right? I mean, I was just like, that seemed to take forever. Um, no, but for Gary, it was an amazing experience with the good and the bad. But I remember at mile 20, we were having such a great time and we had a great pace going. And we rounded mile 20, and I looked up, and as far as I could see was like it was a straight uphill battle. Mm. And at that, from that moment on, it was nothing but grit and perseverance mm -hmm. to finish this awesome thing that we had started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, when you talk about the pain and uh, stuff that endures, it's hard to get sympathy from people because they're like, you idiot, you signed up for that. <laughs> like, you, you did chose this to yourself. That. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I mean, crossing the finish line, though, is what makes it worth it. It's you endure that pain and, and that, that moments of stress and struggle so that you can cross the finish line and experience the joy. I mean, that was a top 10 moment uh, for me uh, to cross that finish line of that first marathon we did. And, and really, I think love is gonna be a lot like that marathon. It's like to get to the finish line of loving well, you know, you've gotta endure some pain and you've gotta endure some stress uh, and some grief. And like when you're in the middle of the, the pain, you have to think, hey, you know, I know what the end is gonna look like. I know what it's gonna feel like to cross that finish line. So I'm gonna choose to just make my body uh, keep going. And that's, I mean, that's what you have to do in, in love as well. And really, so that's our, our first feeling of the morning if you're following along on your message notes is just is simply love is a choice. You know, you've gotta choose it. Love is a choice. Yeah, and for me, when I used to teach Bible, I, I always had my kids memorize, you know, the love chapter, um, 1 Corinthians 13. And when you look there through in verses um, four through eight, you know, those first part, it's very easy to explain how to choose those things, how to choose to be patient, how to choose to be kind, you know, that, that part. But if you keep going and you get down towards like verse seven and you realize there it says, 
it always perseveres. And so again, you have all those good, easy, fun things to be a part of and explain kindness and stuff like that, but you have to take the bad part with it, you know, mm -hmm. that persevering, and that's a little bit harder to explain how to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know one of the things I like to do in, in different weddings that I've performed over the years has been to use this verse, and I really like to take the couple and replace the word love in that passage with their name. So, you know, it would be like, Gary is kind, Gary is, right. is patient, <laughs> and um, Gary, Gary always perseveres. <laughs> um, but when you do that, it helps you, like, think about it, like, do I? Do, am I always kind? And, you know, do I persevere? And it really kind of hits home and it's like this, this thing really is a choice. It's something I have to choose every day. Well, and speaking of when you first get married and weddings and things like that, uh, I remember very early on in our marriage <laughs> when we had to choose to make a choice. Um, Gary and I did not have one single fight before we got engaged, uh, which is unheard of. And we, we were getting along so great. But we joked that after the ring, the proposal and the ring and all that got on my finger, we made up for lost time. Yes. And um, <laughs> a lot. Yes, we did. And both of us entered into our relationship where growing up, if we were going to be a part of something, well, if you're going to be a part of something, you might as well lead it. That was both of our mindsets. And so mm -hmm. we were used to running the show. And to top it off, um, I grew up in a single parent home with a mom who was extremely laid back. And so by the time I got to my teenage years, she was just easier to let me do what I wanted to do rather than, you know, <laughs> tell me what I needed to do. Well, and let's face it, sometimes Andrea is a lot. <laughs> in a good way. No. In a good way. Totally in a good way. I'll get that decent. Um, and so, but the bad part of that is, is in letting me do whatever it was that I wanted to do, my mom basically taught me that relationships, you know, don't have boundaries. And so both of us came into this, you know, this relationship and we started to battle for control mm. because we were used to running everything. And, and, and my, again, that's what I was used to growing up. And so, um, I don't know, I guess a little into our marriage, we, we were like, this is not working. And so our prayers went a little bit like this. Um, God, you know, we can't live the rest of our lives like this. So um, please just take one of the one of the two of us. We need some kind of relief here, right? I mean, <laughs> just take us. No, I mean, I, I just got to throw it out there that we had a preference on which one God would take. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. No, I'm decent. Um, but in all seriousness, God answered those prayers better, right? Doesn't he always better than we could wish for and hope for? And instead of taking the other person... He instead gave us a tool, and that, that was a tool that we both needed. For us, the particular tool that God knew we needed was um, a book. The latest edition of that book now is called Wired That Way, but it was on the personalities. Yeah. And in reading through that book and, and going through the personalities, what we realized was the other person really wasn't trying to drive us crazy. We were really just different. And through that book, we also realized that for Gary and I both, because we had that leader type mentality, that control was an emotional need for us. It was something that we both needed to do. And so we thought, you know, we sat down with this book and we sat down with our new knowledge and our new tool and we worked it out and we said, okay, we both know we have to be in control of something. How are we going to divide this control up instead of constantly battling each other for the control? And we realized we were both really good at different things. And so we kind of sat through and, and Gary's a lot better with the spreadsheets and the finances thank God. Um, and so he would go through and he kind of took control of our finances. And I was better at things like planning our vacations. And so he's, he would do the budget for our vacations. And then I would plan the fund with the budget that he gave me. 
And we realized that after a short time that we, we were using those strengths, that control in a good way, and we were using it to build each other up instead of tearing each other down. That was the choice that we made. And this is just so funny for Will and I to hear about the first couple of years of marriage for you guys because we're pretty much the opposite. We do not struggle for control. We were both middle children growing up. I'm the only girl between two boys, and he's the only boy between two girls. And so we have that middle <laughs> child, easygoing personality for the most part. And we had both learned to compromise and live with the opposite sex. So when we got married, there wasn't a lot of those adjustments that some couples have to make. But one of the, the things that we struggled with the most was making a decision. Yeah, I mean, like going out to eat could take forever. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? You know? <laughs> Where do you want to go on vacation? You know, it's like, oh, my goodness, just make a decision. And like, but I really don't care. Oh, my goodness. Really and like we round still. And round yes. Again, yes. So. yes. No, no, not at all. <laughs> So we still struggle with that today, but as we were preparing for this morning and just trying to think of a time where our love did have to persevere, um, we remembered something that happened a few years into our marriage. Yeah, as we were talking about it, um, you know, I really, Shauna was like, I can't remember. And I was like, oh, I, I remember. Um, and, uh, and I remember because I was, I was the one, the guilty one in the situation. It was, it was back in 2006. Um, we had been married for a couple years. We were living in Nashville, Tennessee. I was running a small landscaping business there. And in the summertime, Shauna always goes up to Michigan to see her family around the 4th of July. So she had traveled up there with our um, our only child at that time, who was about one year old, and um, I was, uh, you know, just there in Nashville cutting grass. And during that time, I was involved in a men's Bible study at our church on Wednesday nights. And while I was uh, involved with that study, I remember coming home one night and while Shauna was in Michigan and just feeling super convicted um, about some sin in my life that, that Shauna didn't know about. Um, and, and I just felt an overwhelming desire that I just needed to get this off my chest and I needed to just come clean and confess. And so I started writing her this long letter and I wrote this letter confessing that, you know, at that time in my life, I was struggling with looking at things on the internet that I had should, should not have been looking at. And so I just poured my heart out to her. And I can remember after I read that, wrote that letter, like this huge burden lifted, like it, it really felt good. And so I laid that, that letter on the kitchen counter the next morning and I went to work knowing that she was going to come home and find it and I would come home at the end of the day and, and see her. And so you know, I felt good in the morning. It's like, this is awesome. I just released all this. And um, yeah, I hear some of you laughing because thankfully about lunchtime, I, I wised up and I think God was like, hey, you need to wake up, buddy. Um, and I was like, this is not going to be good. And so I started getting nervous and it's like, maybe I can work till tomorrow, just through the night. Um, I don't know, but... I came home and I remember Shauna standing there in the kitchen holding that letter with tears streaming down her face. And I just remember knowing that that was what I was going to find. And yet, um, you know, we entered into a really difficult conversation that night and, and kind of a difficult season in our marriage. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That was not awesome. You know, um, I come in and I'm reading this letter and I'm just thinking, oh my goodness. I feel so betrayed right now. 
This was not the track that Will and I were on. Um, we had both grown up in Christian families and were really involved in our youth group. We had chosen to go to Christian colleges and we were committed to purity in our marriage or in our relationship before we got married. And so I was just holding this letter feeling so confused and frustrated, but mostly I was grieving the broken trust in our relationship. And so it became this pivotal moment for us. Like now that we're dealing with this yucky thing, what are we gonna do with it? And so it became a season of choosing to lean into each other and choosing to lean into the Lord. And it was during that time, during those quiet times with the Lord, you know, wrestling with this, he revealed to me that Will had really chosen to swallow his pride as he chose to come clean with me to confess this. And he showed transparency and he was asking me to do the same thing with him, to swallow my pride. I did not struggle in this particular area, but there's about a million other areas that I do struggle with. And Will, he chooses to love me in my brokenness. And so I, I realized, hey, this is my turn. It's my turn to choose to persevere, to choose to love him, to choose to forgive him, and to choose to walk with him in this struggle, how, how can I help you? I can remember um, in that moment, just even thinking back to it, you know, all those years ago, you know, I, I didn't know how Shauna was going to respond. I mean, I, I was really scared. I was like, I, I really don't know how this is going to go down. And, um, but the way she responded actually was shocking to me. I mean, yes, she was broken. Yes, she was hurt and all of those things. But at the same time, she responded with love. She responded with grace. Um, she swallowed her pride, and she chose to love me in that moment and, and come alongside me and help me in my struggle rather than humiliate me. Um, and it was in that that I just saw that her relationship with the Lord was what was driving her towards me. Um, and that was something that was huge And as I look back on that. And so, you know, that brings us to our die to self moment today, which is um, I must choose to swallow my pride. I've got to swallow my pride in my relationships if I'm going to choose to persevere. Right. And that's, I mean, that's true for every couple, really. I mean, every relationship at some point, the other person is going to cause offense and you have to swallow your pride and you have to, regardless of what you think you deserve or regardless of, of how things should be, you've got to choose to swallow your pride in that. I remember uh, early on, Andrea has already mentioned that, you know, we had a lot of fireworks in our marriage early on. And I was, I was sitting in a living room with my mentor one day, uh, having coffee kind of like this. And I was, I was complaining to him about this chameleon that I had married, who was no longer the one that I had signed up to spend the rest of my life with. Like she had changed into something totally different. Um, and I remember him looking at me and saying, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. Now, what are you going to do about it? And I sat there kind of dumbfounded for a moment. And I'm like, what do you mean? What am I going to do about it? And he looked at me and I remember this clearly. He said, Gary, you are the husband and you are responsible for the state of your marriage. So what are you going to do to restore your marriage relationship to where it needs to be? And I thought for a minute, I'm like, okay, all right, I'll take the first step, but she's going to have to meet me halfway. And he said, no, no, no. <laughs> Scripture is very clear. In Ephesians 5, the Bible says, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He said, it is your responsibility to go all the way to her 
and get her, meet all of her needs 100%, regardless of whether your needs get met, you go meet her needs. You go love her. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, she'll come and meet you in the middle. And so I, I remember looking at him and going, okay, I'm going to do it, but it ain't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> but it did start to work. Um, uh, but I will admit at first I thought, he just wants something. Well, <laughs> well I always want something. <laughs> um, but, but in all seriousness, um, I realized that over time that it was sticking and that Gary really was trying to put out, you know, the olive branch for me. And so I did need to um, meet him um, halfway. And one of the things that I think God taught us during that time is, you know, this is the most important relationship out of our relationship out here on earth, outside of our relationship with Christ. You know, and so whenever um, Gary and I were, were fighting so much, this, when this relationship is not handled, right, our other relationships aren't handled either. So if I left in the morning and Gary and I had been fighting and, and things like that, it just was very easy for me to take that out on all the other relationships mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know, I came across. And so whenever we started to work on this relationship, it helped us and helped all of our other relationships to succeed. And, you know, and we, we see in 1 Peter 5.5 5, that God opposes the proud. Mm -hmm. When I really just stopped to think about what was causing all of our conflict, it was my pride. Mm. You know, it was my pride in, listen, buddy, I am running the show here. Mm -hmm. You think you can do that, but you can't. You can't treat me that way. What are you thinking that you can treat me that way? But I realized that that was pride and that God was opposing that in our relationship. And that was what was causing some of our problems, you know? Yeah, that, so that verse says God opposes the proud, but don't we all? Mm -hmm. I feel like you can pretty much put anything in that blank. You know, God opposes the proud but so does our spouse, so does our neighbor, so does our friend, so, does, so do our kids or our coworkers. But the best part is, if you keep going in that verse, the, the second part there says that, that he shows favor to the humble. Mm. And when Gary and I started being, you know, treating each other with humility and getting outside of that pride, God started showing favor in our marriage and we started getting along so much better. Mm -hmm. And also with our other relationships, you know, whenever we, we were working on those. God showed favor in those as well. And so I just love that, just to really think through. Once we swallowed our pride and got that handle in our relationship, it had changed not just our relationship, but all the relationships around us. Exactly. I know that when someone is approaching me with a prideful spirit, my first reaction is just to like put up my armor and just be like, go away. You know, it's just so repulsive um, when you hear that prideful spirit. And just the opposite is true. He says that he shows favor to the humble. So when someone is approaching me with a humble spirit, I am so much more eager to listen to what they have to say, to open my ears and, and to listen. And if I can open my ears, I'm much more likely to open my heart. And that's where true transformation takes place. Yeah. You know, as I, I hear you guys talking, it makes me think back to, to last week um, with, with Mike and Amy up here sharing about the fact that 
the importance of your relationship and your time with the Lord because what I think I hear a theme between all these things we're talking about is it's that relationship which is going to flow out of us into our other relationships. I'm not going to be able to approach someone in humility, in love, or choose love and choose to swallow my pride if I'm not first choosing to understand who Christ was and how he lived when he walked this earth because we see him do that over and over and over again. And so that relationship with him then flows out of me into the relationships that I have. And so this is um, where we're going to come to our, our love handle for today. Um, and our love handle today is that we have to speak the truth in love. Um, we have to speak the truth in love. And, you know, when we were talking through this and thinking about, you know, what is uh, uh, the love handle for the topic that we're talking about, um, unfortunately... The thing that came to my mind, a story that came to my mind, was actually the exact opposite of this, um, <laughs> where I just totally botched this whole thing up. And so back in 2005, Sean and I were um, living in North Carolina. Um, we've moved a lot, if you haven't figured that out. Um, so uh, we were living in North Carolina and helping run a, a summer camp, very similar to like Pine Cove. Uh, and that particular day, we had hosted a whole other camp because there had been some flooding in our area. And so the owner of our camp had had actually allowed another camp to come and be on our camp that day, plus the other 500 people we already had there. So needless to say, the owner was a little bit stressed, and that was who my direct boss was. Well, I can remember being in the, in the cafeteria that morning right after the end of breakfast, and we were having a short little um, impromptu meeting before we took off uh, for the day. And um, the owner of the camp, he, he brought me aside and another co-worker of mine whose name was Mr. H. Now, Mr. H was 75 years old. And one of, had become one of our dearest friends. So I say, our, I mean, Sean and I just loved this man so much. And the conversation all of a sudden took a really negative turn. And it was just like out of nowhere. And my boss spoke very condescendingly and, and derogatory to, to Mr. H specifically. And I was just livid. I was so mad because of the way he treated him. It was just totally uncalled for. And, and I, you know, I would have totally let my boss have it right there in that moment if there hadn't been like 500 people in the, in the cafeteria with us at the time. <laughs> um, but then I went out just steaming and told Shauna what had happened. And, and you remember your response? Oh, my goodness. He was just the sweetest man. We loved him so much. And to think of somebody, even, even though he was just stressed out, but when, when our boss was talking to him that way, I mean, we were both in a rage. Yeah, so like three days later, I was still fuming. You know, it hadn't calmed down yet, and I finally had the opportunity to actually go and confront my boss. And so I went over to his house and I said, hey, we need to meet. And I came in the door wagging my finger, telling him how wrong he was. And needless to say, that didn't go well. Um, it escalated. And literally, we're sitting there like screaming at each other. And I've never screamed at anyone in my entire life. And I'm like, this is like an out-of-body experience. I did not know what was even happening. But that was 14 years ago. And I look back at that moment and I regret it. Because, you know, I actually was speaking a lot of truth in that moment. But there was zero love in what I was communicating at that time. Yeah, and, and the coding truth with love is so necessary you know, in communication. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 uh, talks about you know, we speak the truth in love so that we can become mature followers of Christ. Um, and so that is what God uses really to shape us. You know, it talks about iron sharpening iron. Uh, in scripture and so coding the truth in love so that the other person you know can grow i mean i remember eighth grade uh, my best friend kenny uh, changed the trajectory of my mm -hmm. life 
we were in the weight room working out, uh, and I tend to be a very verbal, linguistic kind of person, and so um, when, I, when I heard somebody use a word wrong, I, I wanted to help them understand how to use that word correctly. Um, <laughs> because, you know, golden rule, I, if I used a word wrong, I would want to know. Uh, so I don't remember what it was, but I, I, I helped my friend um, know that he had not used that word correctly. And he looked at me and he said, Gary, do you realize when you talk to people like that and you make them feel stupid? And I was like, what? I mean, I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it because I, I didn't want people to feel that way. I didn't want people to know, you know, or think that they were you know, less than just because they didn't know a word. I was generally just trying to be helpful. But when he, he told me that... I became aware of it and I was able to start changing how I interacted with people and start, again, just making sure that everything that I said had, had love behind mm -hmm. it. And it's because he spoke the truth in love to me that I was actually able to make that change in my own life. Yeah, and I say, praise God for Kenny, you know? I mean, <laughs> that man prepared Gary and, and helped work through a lot of things and, and got him ready for me. But, uh, <laughs> but I think the most important thing in, in your relationship was your relationship with Kenny. Yeah. Um, and again, that's why it's so important that with our relationships are where they need to be because you had the relationship with Kenny mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that he knew he could come to you and you knew that when Kenny was speaking those things over you, he wasn't just trying to be mean. He really cared about you. Yeah, he generally right. cared about you. And, and I think that's why we've got to have those people in our lives that will speak the truth and love to us to help make us better, you know, that's, yeah. and that's what's important. And that's why it's important to work on those relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I think I hear you guys saying is that um, I feel like we all kind of fall on one side of the fence, whether or not we, we naturally, our natural instinct is to speak the truth or to speak things in love. Um, it's kind of like, you know, we all fall one place or the other. And, and so as, as you said that, I started thinking about, you know, myself and, and what side I fall. And, you know, the story I shared just a moment ago, you know, that truly was like an out-of-body experience because I actually fall heavily on the other side yeah. of speaking, speaking love, but yeah. often not with a whole lot of truth. I, I will avoid conflict at mm -hmm. all costs, um, and usually I'll just kind of get quiet uh, and just won't say That's anything. That's my favorite, when you yeah. just say nothing. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it doesn't go over very well. Um, so it's something I'm working on, but, but where, where do you guys fall? Where, where would you say you fall on the on Yeah, the, well, side I think it's, it's pretty clear for me that I, I naturally fall on the truth side, um, and so I've had to learn how to take what I'm thinking and run it to, through two or three filters of love uh, before, it, before it comes out of my mouth. And so, yeah, those that hang around me a lot can always tell when I'm filtering because I have this. <laughs> and I'm right there with you when it comes to conflict in my marriage with Will. Um, I'm from Michigan and we don't really beat around the bush. You know, we just kind of go in for the kill. <laughs> You're never gonna hear Shauna say, bless her heart. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's kind of funny to sit and listen to you guys, be, you know, talk through it. Cause I think I'm actually a mixture of both. Um, in my job, I'm an elementary school principal. And one of the things I feel like God has called me to do is to bring out the strengths in my students, bring out the strengths in the teachers that serve at my school, and, and I love to love on them. Um, I love to just tell them how awesome they are and how great they are, 
Uh, but my family tells me that that may not be the case when I get home. <laughs> um, because I, I think as a parent, sometimes it's very easy to fall into, oh, I have 18 years with my kids, and I, I need to fix this, this, and this, and this, and make sure that they are ready to get out the door when they're 18. Yeah, and... It's not just the kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I may need to fix Gary a little too. Um, and so, <laughs> but just, you know, really... The, the sad thing in that is one of the things that I'm learning, speaking of learning, is that, you know, we tend to hurt the ones we love the most. We tend to hurt them more, you know, and if I'm going to treat my coworkers and my, my students at my school with love, and I speak the truth and love over them, I need to make sure that I'm, when I am at home and I'm comfortable, I'm doing the same thing for my family as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, I'm speaking the truth to Will and the kids because I feel really safe in those relationships, but I am a whole lot more intentional when I'm approaching conflict with people outside of my family. And I think that regardless of whether I'm, I'm speaking to my family or to, to other people, the thing that we really need to do is to spend time in prayer beforehand. And I know yeah. that when I do that, he always goes before me every single time, helping me um, choose to approach them in humility. And it always works out a hundred times better. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I totally think about those times where I've got to have a difficult conversation with a coworker or something mm -hmm. like that. And those become the most prayerful moments <laughs> during my day. The Lord, help me in this moment. Um, and, and so, you know, I don't know where you guys are at today. As you sit here and you've listened to all these stories, uh, you know, our goal and our, our heart behind all of this and sharing all this with you guys is just to, that, that you would hear something that relates to you, that you'd be able to put yourself in one of these situations and, and you know that, yeah, I've got some areas I, can, I need to work on. But you also see that, that it's, it's your relationship with Christ. It's that, those prayers. It's those things that are flowing out of you into others in those relationships that's going to help bring that unity um, and, and help you get a grip on your relationships. Um, you, you might be sitting here today realizing that literally all of your relationships, those you're closest to, is just, they're just a mess. Um, and, I'm, and, and it may be because you're missing a va very valuable, important part of your life, and that is a relationship with Jesus. And so if you've never given your life over to him, we want to offer you that opportunity right now by simply, there, on the back of your message notes, there's a prayer that you can pray, and you can ask Jesus to take over right now. And he wants to do that. And I promise you, if you'll ask him to be Lord of your life and you start diving into a relationship with him, he will give you the strength in those moments when you don't want to swallow your pride. And he's going to walk right alongside with, with you in all of that. But listen, this has been fun. We've enjoyed getting to just share with you guys today. We hope you've enjoyed it. Um, and I'm going to ask my wife, Shonda, to close this, wrap us up in prayer mm -hmm. at this time. Dear Lord, we thank you for who you are this morning. And we confess that it's because of the sin in our lives that we have broken relationships. But we recognize that you are the great physician and you can heal broken things. And so we invite you into our relationships and we ask you to give us the strength and the wisdom that we need um, to choose love in our relationships, to die to our pride and to walk in humility. Lord, we know that we absolutely cannot do this in our own power. And so we just ask that you would help us, Lord, and that you would convict us to spend more time with you so that your love can flow out of us. We pray this in your holy son's name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. You can find more information about Parkway Fellowship by visiting our website, parkwayfellowship.com. 
and be sure to download our mobile app for previous message series, video content, and much more.